0: Everybody my name is Axel Villemill and this is 24 Shades of Blue podcast we're back here with the amazing Madison Turner Bob from the communications department she's an operator and dispatcher so let's let's talk about the two roles let's talk yeah. about you know what you do I don't think it's just A 911, what's up? It's It's definitely not. More than that, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Um, so we do have two primary roles, the first being um, 911 call taking. And I think a lot of people don't know that when they call 911, whether it's for ambulance or fire, it's Toronto police that answers the phone. We stay on the phone until we find out um, whether or not police are going to be required at a call. Um, And, I mean, that is a whole... World unto itself, 911 call taking. Um, the other aspects of call taking that we do is we also handle parking calls, which
0: is always fun. But like what type of parking calls? Like every type person of in my call. spot?
1: Yeah, those. Or, you know, there's a three hour bylaw on my street and these people are just parked here and I don't know them, Through but the I blind, want them like gone. Peeking and,
0: down and calling you like that?
1: Yeah, 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 there's that. Um, And we also do non emerge. So um, a lot of times people call the police for all kinds of issues. Um, I mean, truly all kinds of issues. I've had a lady call because she had bees in her backyard and she thought we could do something about that. Not like a nest, but like a couple bees, you know. Um, So, yeah. So it's kind of like we run the gamut on... On the call take side between those really scary, upsetting emergency calls and then the really sometimes petty parking
0: calls. I feel like there's pros and frozen cons to that though. Like people are like calling you for like, you want them to call you, know? And then Yeah.
1: Well, of course, we want them to call us yeah. if it's something we can help them with. But and you know, that's that is always a question. Is it something that we can actually help you with? Um, nine one one, of course. If you think you're having an emergency, yeah, definitely call us. Um, but I think sometimes people call 911, for example, with COVID. um, We've gotten a lot more calls on 911 for gatherings. So I get it's not necessarily following the mandate or the law but it's certainly not a 911 emergency. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's um it's kind of dealing with that I, I mean a lot of the time we have to redirect people to call non-emergency because the 911 calls are our priority. So we we answer those before anything else. Um and as they come in if you know there are a 100 people calling into the non emerge for various non-emergency but still police issues um those people have to wait. So I think that can be uh, a struggle for some people.
0: Oh, I bet. I, yeah. It's funny. I'm going to lead in my next question here with yeah. a story. Because it's weird mm-hmm. that I'm, now I'm listening to you more in your calm, calm, calm voice right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like I spoke to you once. No, oh, no. joke. No joke. I Did called. I yell at you? No, no, no. You help me out. because <laughs> okay. Here's the story. I'm driving. Brand new car. Brand new. Driving. Boom. Hits me in the back, right? Luckily, there was no dent or anything. But I knew the protocol, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, I need your information. Just, you know, I got hit like clearly. Yeah. Um, I just want to make sure just in case I feel something or, you know, if something happens after with the car. For sure. So I try. The guy refuses. He's refusing to give me his information. I'm like, well, I'm, okay, I'm going to call the police. So yep. I didn't call 911. Well done. Thank you. Ten points, points yes. Thank you. I called, uh, I think it's 22 division or somewhere, one of the divisions downtown. Call him up. Weirdly enough, as I'm listening more, I think I hear your voice. No, there's no way. No, it had to be. It had to be.
1: (laughs) No, but here's the thing. Um, The police divisions. we don't work there. So we're in a central communications department. So you're totally separate. Totally separate. So when you call a station, um, uh, usually you get an officer on the line um, working at the front desk and they can answer questions and stuff. But as far as calls for service, they'll direct you to us.
0: Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Cause I got yeah. directed to an officer after. So oh, okay. maybe I called, maybe I didn't call the, I just called a general number. Maybe you could have
1: called the non-emergency number. I mean, I, yeah, I, I can't tell you how many people get into car accidents and they don't know what their responsibilities are. As far as like driving in Ontario, yeah. you do have some requirements, right? You have to exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, if the damage is going to be over $2,000 between the two vehicles, you have to go to a collision reporting mm-hmm. center. Um, police don't come out to those calls no. for the most part, unless there's other factors like yeah. major injuries or impaired. But it's so
0: useful because I literally yeah. said, hey, listen to the officer. And she went and said, she's like, you have to give him your information. I love when that works. It works. Um,
1: and that could have been me, actually. I love doing that. Um, but yeah, I love when that works, but it certainly doesn't always work. And Absolutely. I mean, the thing is, people get themselves in situations, especially over fender benders, which blows mm-hmm. my mind. And then all of a sudden it'll be a road rage incident and somebody may pull a gun or a knife on you. And then these people who are like totally panicked will follow that car. And I'm just like, what are you doing? But, you know, that's people in high stress situations make some interesting choices.
0: Exactly. So what should we do when we are in those high stress situations, whether it's 911 or like what you just described? Yeah. How should we approach it when we do make that call to you and your team?
1: Well, I I would say obviously make that call. If you think you need help, call us for sure. And if you think it's a 911 emergency, call us on 911. We will answer. And if it's um, not the right line to use, then we'll redirect you. But I mean... For the majority of our calls, what we really need is a location. And sometimes like that's all we can get. So if you can only give one thing, if it's a crazy emergency or, you know, you're passing out because you're choking or something, get us a location. We will find you Um, and we will help you. We'll send help. Um, Yeah. And then and then try to answer our questions because they're not um, arbitrary. There's a yeah. reason we're asking them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's for your benefit, the caller's benefit. It's not because we're super nosy, which sometimes we are, but, uh, mostly it's so we can help you properly.
0: How should we, how should we be reacting? Cause obviously we're all like freaking oh, out. Oh yeah. So Everybody's
1: is, screaming. What
0: should we do in our heads? Like, again, I think for everybody listening is that yeah. let's like train ourselves right here now to go, okay. Emergency yeah. situation, what should I do before a call so I'm not giving you complete gibberish?
1: I mean, to be honest with you, I doubt there are many people out there in real emergency situations who can, like, take that beat yeah. and think about what they should do. Mm-hmm. When you get us on the phone, we'll try and calm you down. Sometimes that means talking really slowly to mm-hmm. you. Um, sometimes that means, you know, yelling at you to, until you're paying attention. I know that seems harsh, but, like, we got to rein in the emotions so we can get you the help you need. Um I, for the most part, people tend to, um, react the way we want them to. And we have a lot of tactics we use like different tone of voice, different speed, faster, slower, you know, um, and, and tone is huge in what we do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think people need to worry about what they need to give us when they call. They just need to listen and let us help you.
0: Madison, can we play a game? Ready? Oh God. Here's sure. the game. Okay. Ready? Here's the scene. Oh no! You're you're working. Okay. I'm calling you. I anticipated okay. this. You, I, yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because this is on the spot right now. Just think about it. Okay. Okay. Here's a scene. Ring, ring, ring. Pick up. <sighs> uh, 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 I don't know what's going on. There's an emergency. I, I, okay. I, I can't breathe. Nine
1: one one. Do you need police, fire, or
0: ambulance? Uh, I I think I need um ambulance. I'm just <gasps> okay. Stay on the line. I'm gonna
1: get ambulance with us. Hold okay. on. Okay. Hold on. Okay. And then you'll hear a beeping and you'll think I hung up, but I didn't.
0: Okay. Oh, really? Gonna, That's what yeah. happens.
1: Yeah. The transfer is like this weird short beep tone okay. for fire and ambulance. So
0: and do they freak out? Is that what happens? Some
1: people just hang up. They're like, oh my God, they hung up on me and they just disconnect the line. But I mean, uh, for most of us, I think we try to talk to them while we're transferring we're still on the line. We're still there. So we'll like so reassure.
0: Good note for everybody to know now is that yes. that beep. We is probably
1: didn't hang up on you. They know? Didn't
0: hang up. Okay, yeah. great. I'm glad we did this little exercise. Yes. Okay, great. I'm happy we did this scene. Yeah. That was awesome. Um, but, you know, <laughs> we noticed we were talking before. There's a lot of people that call that shouldn't be calling. Yeah. There's obviously those you can have kids calling. Uh, I know cell phones have changed the game. Can we yes. talk more about what that has done to either help you and also things that have come in that are not necessarily emergency.
1: In regards to cell phones, there are pros and cons. We are not super high tech. Most emergency centers aren't. Um, So when you call on a cell phone, we don't know where you are. We may have a general idea based on the carrier that you have for your phone and the towers it pings off. And sometimes that gives us a really good location, like within 10 meters, and sometimes it's within a kilometer. And in downtown Toronto, like that's a hot mess. We we are not gonna find you in high no. rises. Um, the other thing with cell phones is uh people don't know that their old cell phones, when they take the SIM cards out, they still dial 911. So a cell phone is not a toy for a child. <laughs> I mean, I know everybody loves that old school snake game, but the cell phone is I know on those old phones. Those so much are the fun. Best but no um don't give a cell phone to a child because they may call 911 and then we're stuck because if we can't get an adult on the line mm-hmm. then we're concerned this child is unattended basically yeah. and we have to send someone to look for them and especially on what we call unregistered cell phones cell phones without a sim card um we have almost no location to go of on of course yeah so it's yeah don't give your kid a cell phone also <laughs> Speaking of cell phones, I think it's the iPhone that has some sort of emergency setting where if you do hit it the all volume. The time, button,
0: and I'm so scared I'm about to call nine one because it's about to. It's like counting down at five. So four, it happens yeah. a
1: lot in the morning, I think, when people are like silencing their yes, alarms. Yeah. Oh my God. So I don't want to say disable that because if you think you might need it, yes. obviously it's a feature to use in emergencies. But yeah, be careful with your phones. Pocket dials are huge. And then we just, I mean, oftentimes you hear like crazy <laughs> noises and you're like, oh my God, is this person in serious trouble? No, it's in their pocket. But you can't necessarily tell that. It sounds like you're in the lake. So. Of
0: course. Yeah. yeah Unless you so, hear really good gossip and you're like joking No, can't I mean, sometimes you're did. like, what's going on here? Is yeah. that
1: a TV show? Is this like the most dramatic life of any person ever? What's happening? Um, no, but it, just be careful with your phones because its it takes up our 911 lines. The other thing is, If you call 911 on a cell phone or a landline and you hang up on us, we have to call you back. So that takes a 911 operator. So if you do call 911 by accident, stay on the phone so we can answer you and you can tell us there's nothing wrong and then we can move on. Because the dialing back, the waiting for you to pick up, possibly leaving a voicemail message, it's really time consuming on a 911 line. And that means someone else may not be able to get through. Of
0: course, of course. And the, the resources like or you only have so many people that are there and, and, and you guys need to be to the right people at the right time. So it, it's hard.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, resources are always an issue, especially as the city grows. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, and that's why sometimes people dialing in for parking, which by the way, can be done online. So check that out. Okay. Super easy. Let them know. Um, and non-emerge like those calls sometimes have to wait an extended period of time. I will also say there are a lot of things you can do on our website as far as reporting for non-emergency issues. Um, We have a phone reporting situation where we can have an officer call you back for things like, um, you know, your bike was stolen or um, uh, not so much for crashes. That's something that you actually do have to go to the Collision Reporting Center for if you want to report. Um, But smaller crimes like um, damage to your vehicle, Mm -hmm. done in a parking lot or theft from your vehicle, that kind of thing, it can all be done on our website. Or I can have an officer call you, but it can take a significant amount of time for them to call you back. So if you do it online, it's super easy. You just enter the information and then an officer will look into it. But they don't have to go through all those what's your name, what's the location exactly. questions? It saves time.
0: Absolutely. And yeah. we'll put that link in the description so everybody can get yeah, to it absolutely. too. Absolutely. It's our, it's a great resource. Our big question <laughs> I think from everybody here in the studios mm-hmm. for you is what's that what's that call? What's that top of the call, top of the story? I can't even say it. What's that big one?
1: I mean, I've had a couple when I was pretty new on the job. I had a call that affected me not because like anything terrible happened, but just because my adrenaline was up so much during the whole thing. So I was on 911 and I got a call from this woman and she sounded out of breath and she said, "I need help. My mother is trying to jump out the window." And I was like, whoa, yeah. Um, And so I'm getting ambulance on the line. I'm getting fire. We don't know how high up she is, right, if it's a high rise. Um, So as the call progresses, I get more details. Her mother has mental health issues. She's been diagnosed with multiple disorders. She has a history of attempting suicide. And as I'm speaking to this woman, she's more and more out of breath. Mm -hmm. So I kind of get a picture of what's going on. She's physically holding her mother halfway out the window. Yeah. So I spent, I think, 25 minutes on this call with this woman, um, just basically being her cheerleader, right? Because in the first couple of minutes, I've gotten all the information I need. We're on the way, you know, but she's... And I remember she just kept saying, I wish I was in better shape because she was like, out, of, yeah, like yeah. devastating. She's probably stripping, she holding. Right. Her, yeah. yeah. Just like struggling. And, you know, um, I don't know if it was the 11th floor or the 17th. It was pretty high up. Mm-hmm. We did get there. We broke down the door. We got her mother in. we got her the care she needs. But for me, like as a new dispatcher and call taker that was a big one. And, um, the thing is you don't realize because you're trying to be the calm person in the situation. So the whole time I'm trying to remain cool, not like elevate my tone or anything to freak her out further. And then by the time I got done with that call, I was just like, like I needed a nap or a run. I would just, my adrenaline was just all over the place. And
0: I was just, Wired, Like how right? do you handle your mental health on a day to day with all this? Well, sometimes on?
1: you have to take a beat and take yeah. a walk and, you know, um, take a minute after a call like that or, you know, go for a break outside or something. You have to because we have to be in the right frame of mind to deal with people's emergencies. And when mm-hmm. people call us, it is like it's the worst day of their lives, right? Sometimes that's because their brand new car was hit. <laughs> sometimes that's because their mother is trying to harm herself. Right. Mm. So, you know, through all of that, we have to kind of maintain calm and professional manner. You can't, if you empathize too much with a caller, it can kind of work against you because I don't know if you've ever been like really emotional and someone comes to give you a hug and then you just lose it. Right. Yeah. 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 It's like a human condition. Mm-hmm. So you want to try and avoid that, right? Because the goal is to bring the person down to a level where you can get the information you need yeah. and help them. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a struggle. Mental no, health is a struggle.
0: I bet. I, I'm just like, it's just as we we all spoke about it and we're trying to talk about this episode, Yeah, you know, we're trying to think about how can we put ourselves in your shoes? But it seems like you constantly have to decompress every yeah. time. And, you know, back to the mental health standpoint, like how does... I guess the department help you guys when it comes to mental health? And, you know, let's say you need a day off or what, like if it's too much, like, how does that work?
1: I mean, that is that is available to us. We've got a ton of resources at our disposal, like mental health and mental health well-being in policing, I think, is um, a newer kind of aspect that they're paying more attention to. And when I say newer, I mean, like in the last decade or two. Right. Like it used to be, you know, a police officer dealt with a horrible call or whatever, like, you know rub some dirt in it, get back out there, keep going. Right. Mm -hmm. So we are moving, I think, progressively towards, um, dealing with those, um, mental health, uh, results, I guess, those, those reactions that you have and the way it can just build up and build up and build up when it's everything you're doing all day, every day when you're at work. Um, so it's good in that way. Um, but as I'm probably going to say again, it's the weirdest job you'll ever do. And like to ask someone to kind of see it from our position, it's almost impossible because there are so many aspects of our job that are super weird. Like I, I couldn't even you know, skim the surface. But I think the best mental health care for us is the people around you who do the job and work with you, who see like the way you react to things. And so they're better able to see when you're struggling or when you've dealt with something that's affected you. Right. Because everybody has different, um, Oh, oh, I can't think the of the perspective. Word. No, like different some um, thresholds Got it. for what they can deal with. Right. Some people cruelty to animals calls really get them and some people it's children yes. and some people it's old people or missing people, you know, so we all react differently because <laughs> we're all human. And and so I think really the best way for us to continue to be mentally stable is for our coworkers to check in with us. And that happens, which is great.
0: That's awesome. It sounds yeah. like you have like a really great team. We do. Yeah, yeah we do. That's so we do. cool. I, a I think ton it's of like in any workplace, people. you need that great team. Yeah, you team do. Because you're really, they're in it together.
1: <laughs> well, and exactly, right? Because I mean, regardless of what job you do, it's the people around you who are doing that job with you who can really understand
0: what you deal with. A hundred percent. And I yeah. mean, you know, as everything that happened over the last you know, year or so. Oh, COVID. Yeah, COVID and, you know, a lot of the climate around policing. Mm-hmm. How has that affected you and your team? And, uh, you know, especially from how it was, where it was at its peak to yeah. where it is now, where it's becoming a very normalized thing. Like, yeah. how are you affected in that?
1: I think when we get calls from people, even people in emergencies, there's this belief or this um, feeling that the police are coming out to do harm we're not there to do that. We as communications operators working with the police are there to help you. And that's what the police are doing too. That's what they're responding to. They're going to help. They're not going to, you know, hurt people or, you know, discriminate. That's, I don't think that's anybody's intention when they actually go to a call. Um, And, you know, the way that things are sometimes represented in the media, especially when we see what's going on in the states in certain areas and their public reactions to it and everything, that that kind of trickles over the border here. Um, So it it changes how we react and how the people calling us um, feel towards us. And again, a lot of people don't know they're speaking with the police when they get 911, but sometimes when they find out they're speaking with the police, the attitude changes and they're reticent to give information. And again, we're there to help you. That's our only purpose. Yeah. We're not trying to make your life harder. We're trying to make it better. So just if if people could keep that in mind, um, we got to get back to part two of my job, which is the police dispatching. I didn't exactly. even touch on it. Yeah, no, I um, It's kind of related to this, I guess, because when as call takers, when we get those calls, we have a computer system, obviously. You know, we live in the twenty what is it? 15th UH century? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the call takers send those calls over to the dispatchers and the dispatchers are in charge of looking at what they have on their board Mm -hmm. um, and kind of managing their resources and their resources are police officers out on the road. Um, And so that job can be almost more difficult because there is no mute button. You can't take a step away. You have to be relieved, right? Mm. There always has to be someone in that seat for the officers, letting them know what's going on. Um, giving them updates on calls. And that can also be an incredibly hard job because not only are you worried about the safety of your police officers, Mm -hmm. um, you're also worried about those calls that sit in pending that are considered, yeah, that are considered emergencies possibly. Um, And, and we just may not have officers to go. They might be tied up on something major, major shooting scenes, for example, Mm. like that can really, Um, decimate a division, right?
0: And there's only so many people that can... Exactly. I mean,
1: police officers are a finite resource like anything else. There are only so many we have and they have to prioritize the calls they go to. And as a dispatcher, you're basically responsible for that because the officers on the ground are seeing the call that they're on and they may be listening to what you're saying to other officers, but for the most part, they're dealing with that one call, whereas as a dispatcher you're looking at everything happening in the division and all the different calls that have to be dealt with and trying to triage again those calls so that the people in the most need get the help the fastest and that can be
0: a lot i mean that's like in, in many of those emergency type situations where it's not just you know uh, from law enforcement but like healthcare right they have to triage to like Absolutely. who's the right who's the the, the case that's you know
1: most need, urgent. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Most urgent, like those codes and everything that are, that are there for a reason. So, yeah. and it's just a process because that's the only way we can, you know, help people. Exactly. Is by following that protocol.
1: Yeah. So I would also say to the public, be patient with us. We are doing the best that we can to get everybody the help that they need as fast as we can. Um, there are calls that come up to our desk that can't be handled online or over the phone, break and enters, for example, yeah. we have to come out but if it's happened, you know, two days ago and you just got back from vacation, unfortunately, that priority drops because the danger to you is lessened by the fact that someone's not there anymore. Exactly. Right. Um, so I think probably one of the most frequently delayed response calls are break and enters. And I hate that because I can't imagine having my home broken into and the, yeah. the, the, the violation mm-hmm. that that would be. Yeah, and then space. waiting possibly more than a day for an officer to come and talk to you about it. It sucks, but we've got to do what we can for the most people, the best job that we can do.
0: Exactly. And I mean, okay, let's talk about the finite amount. Let's say a bunch of people want to join up and there's people out yeah. here going, you know what? I want to help out. W- yeah. What are the steps in the hiring process and like what qualifications are? Well, needed? it's ever
1: changing yeah. like our job. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, basically I would say go to the Toronto police websites, tps.on.ca. That's also where you can do reports, but there's a careers tab. Um, you can check out the civilian careers communications operator. It's a great job it's definitely a strange job and it's for a very particular type of person. And I personally believe you don't know if it's for you until you've gone through the training process and done it a little bit. And then you can kind of feel out whether or not you can cope basically. Um, But yeah, so through the website and then um, it's, I think like any other application process a resume type of thing why you want to do it and then there's a very long hiring process there are a whole bunch of tests we have to do um a lot of simulations uh, you know what not that many simulations really? right because we're going to train you on how to deal with that got i think it, got it, yeah. um but you know we need to know that you can kind of stay cool when you're overwhelmed with information um and we also need to know that you can hear clearly because that's the job mm-hmm. and use a computer oh, like yeah, wow. all these I like really base that. level yeah. it, you don't think about wow, it, right? Like but baseline. those are like huge. Um, you have to be computer competent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I don't personally think age is a factor, but certainly there are a lot of people out there who have a ton of life experience and will be great at the job, but maybe don't have the computer aspect yes. of that. And then you know, vice versa. There are a ton of people who are super computer savvy, but have maybe very little life experience. Yeah. So how do you talk to people? That's a job. You're constantly it's talking huge. to people. It's yeah.
0: huge. It's huge. I, I, it's, you know, you don't think about those aspects when we are looking from the outside in because you're yeah. like, can they be personable? Can they like calm somebody down into that yeah. situation? And um, I even had a friend who was applying to be a doctor and it was like a very prestigious program and he's so smart. Yeah. But was not personable at all. No bedside manner. Exactly. No bedside manner. So he couldn't really, you know, speak about those things that, um, to calm somebody down during a a heavy situation uh, or, or, um, an unfortunate, um, I guess, uh, news to tell. So in your situation, yeah, we, you have to really think about that. You have a lot of layers to the person that's on the other line.
1: Again, we have tactics, we have ways we can discuss and get people to come around to, um, providing us the information we need. But yeah, you have to be able to talk to people. I mean, if anything else in the job, that is probably the most important aspect is your ability to understand people and make yourself understood as well.
0: Absolutely. Well, yeah. you've been doing this for a while, so I just want to ask you, you know, why do you do it? You know, um,
1: why do I do it? I don't know. I, I guess every day you go into work and you get to help somebody, which is awesome. And I mean, there are levels to that, right? Sometimes you get to help people in a really horrible situation and sometimes you get to help people with parking and sometimes, you know, like any other job, you have just a totally awful day at work and you go home and you don't want to talk to anybody. Like I, my poor family and friends, I do not talk to people on the phone anymore because it's all I do all day. (laughs) Like, I don't want to talk to you on the phone. I I would say we could meet up, but COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like text me, I don't want to talk to you. Uh Um, So (laughs) there's, that is definitely a downside to it. Um, But yeah, I mean, you get to help people. It's an awesome feeling when you really get to, you know, reach out and touch someone's life in a positive way. Um, I know we have an aging population right now. And in my experience, we're seeing a lot more um, issues with dementia Mm -hmm. and older people um, living alone, unable to care for themselves or getting to the point where they need more help. Um, and you know, sometimes we can't help them, but I know I was working one night, it was a midnight shift and we got this call from a lady who sounded elderly and she was lovely, but she was kind of, she was a little rambly. We mm-hmm. were concerned. So I sent officers to go and see her yeah. and, um, there was really nothing they could do immediately to help her. She was functioning enough, but yep. she was obviously like moving towards that stage where she was going to need more assistance. But at the time, like they made her a cup of tea and they had oh, a conversation with nice. her. And I was just like, like, it. That's it's what you not,
0: don't see. Mm. It's, you don't see mm-hmm. it. Right.
1: It's not an aspect of policing that you would expect. Um, but so much of what they do is community outreach. And I think being able to help people and touch people and, you know, be there when they need someone is amazing. It's a great feeling.
0: Amazing. Well, thanks for sharing all that. And, um, I'm so happy to learn about everything here and, uh, I'm really sure the public is going to be really glad to hear all these
1: things. I here. hope so. <laughs> we love you, Toronto.
0: Amazing. Well, everybody, there's 24 Shades of Blue. It's Madison and we're out.